second part of the meeting. And um, this morning, I have the privilege of bringing God's word to us. And um, I'm going to be sharing um, what I want to title the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life. Um, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 11. I'll be reading two verses of the scripture, verses 25 and 26. I read, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Glory to God. The resurrection and the life. Amen. Um, the background of, of the story is such that um, we have the story of um, Mary and Martha, who are friends of Jesus. Mary and Martha had a brother called Lazarus. And um, Lazarus, for some reason, fell seriously ill. And um, eventually he died. But before he died, while he was sickly and really, really at the throes of death, um, a message was sent from the sisters to Jesus Christ to come and heal Lazarus, who happens to be a friend of Jesus as well, just like Mary and Martha was a friend of Jesus. Glory to God. And um, certain things, certain significant happenings took place in that story. I know many of us are familiar with that story, but I want to just bring to mind and call to memory a few things that, that I that my attention was drawn to when I was preparing for this message. Um, I'd like for us to look closely at um, that John uh, chapter 11 and in verse 4. And I'm going to be reading from, from the, uh, the Passions translation. The Bible says that when he heard this, this was referring to Jesus. You know, remember Lazarus was sick, the sisters beckoned unto him to come. And then the Bible says in verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said something very, very significant. And I want you to please listen to this. When he heard this, he said this, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Hmm, that's interesting. Jesus, a message was sent to Jesus that Lazarus was ill at the point of death. And Jesus made a profound statement. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> But I get, but I thought Lazarus eventually died. 
Have you, have, you, have you looked at that? Did you see that? Even though Jesus said this sickness will not end in death, it was emphatic. It says it will not end in death. But yet we saw that Lazarus actually died. Yeah, he died. He died and was buried and was decaying for four good days. But it said this, this sickness will not end in death. Well, fundamentally, I just want to say this. You know, God cannot lie. Anything God says, he means it. So if Jesus said that um, this sickness will not end in death, then he means it will not end in death. Glory to God, because God cannot lie. He's not the son of man that he should lie on. He's not man that he should lie on, the son of man that he should repent. You know, when... When in the Garden of Eden, where he said, if they eat the fruit, <laughs> he said, they will surely die. And truly, they surely died, even though physically it appeared like they were not dead. But they died. But it was a different kind of death that they experienced. But here, Jesus was saying emphatically that this sickness will not end in death. Hmm. You see, that, that, that just draws a lesson for us. We actually need to be very careful to see situations and the circumstances that happen around us only through the lens of God and not through our own natural experiences. Yeah, the, the natural experience suggests that the guy was very sick to the point where he died. Yeah, but Jesus made a statement and that statement is law both in heaven and on earth, because whatever Jesus says becomes what he says. He says that this sickness will not end in death. And I want to say this, that we should never, ever refer to something as being expired or dead, what God has not declared dead or over. Never, ever, no matter the circumstance that, that is prevailing, no matter all the uh, things that we see regarding that matter. Do not determine that something is terminated or it has come to an expiration when God has not yet given the last word on the matter. Be careful to only align yourself with whatever it is that God has declared. See things primarily from the lens of God. Because when you see things from your own lens, it becomes jaundiced by our natural experiences, by the societal expectations, and from certain other circumstances that want to compete with the integrity of God's word. Glory to God. So if Jesus said the sickness will not end in death, then it means it will not end in death. So it means that though the natural processes that are indicative of life may be speaking to the fact that there is no longer any hope or the body is decomposing or decaying. But as long as the force of life, the force of Zoe is at work, that situation of physical death can be reversed. Glory to God. No matter what, no matter how, how apparently dead something may look, as long as the force of life is at work, that force of life can reverse death. Glory to God. 
The Bible says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has exempted us from the law of sin and death. That's one thing we see there. Secondly, you want to look closely at what Jesus said. Jesus said the sickness will not end. Take note of the word end. Glory to God. He says the sickness will not end. You know, there's this popular saying that the end justifies the means. You know, and that's why momentarily you may be going through sickness. You may be experiencing death, retrogression, deprivation, lack, or all of the negative things that everyone can mention. You know, the devil may appear <laughs> to be winning, but guess what? Jesus didn't focus on all the processes that were going on. Jesus was focusing on the end. Somebody said the end. Jesus focused on the end. The end of the matter, the end game. Glory to God is what matters. Jesus said, no matter what you see, even if you think he's physically dead, the end is that he will be alive. The end is that he will not die. The end is that he will not experience death. Glory to God. The end game is really what matters. No matter what you're going through, that tells us something. Jesus didn't talk about, oh, his body, his sickness is getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. He wasn't, he wasn't talking about that. Jesus just said the end. He just focused on the end. Jesus just said <laughs> the end, that the sickness will not end in death. Glory to God. It is important that we're always focused on the end. And Jesus set an example in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Bible says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he says he endured the cross and despised the same, the shame. And now he's set at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. You see, Jesus focused on the end. He didn't, he didn't consider all the shame. He didn't consider the cross he had to endure, but he focused on the end. He set an example for us that it was important that no matter what we're going through, no matter the challenges that appear daunting, our gaze must be the end. We keep our eyes on the ball. We keep our eyes on the prize. We keep our eyes on the crown. We keep our eyes on the end goal. Glory to his name. Glory to God. Now, let's, let's proceed a little further. When we look at in uh, John chapter 11 and in verse 5 and in verse 6, it does appear like, like Jesus deliberately waited before going to Bethany. It, it's interesting. It's somehow, it seemed like he deliberately waited. Let me read to you from the TPP what it says. It says, now even though Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. <laughs> Did you see that? He says he remained where he was for two more days. He now says, finally on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. Hmm. Glory to God. Now you want to ask yourself, why? Why, why, did, why did the Lord do this? Why did Jesus do this? The answer is right there. 
the answer is really, really right there. If you read verse 4. Verse 4 had earlier told us that this will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. It says, this will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. It's, it's to demonstrate the glory of God. It's to give God an opportunity to demonstrate his overarching and all-conquering, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent disposition over that situation. Glory to God. Jesus deliberately waited. That's what I, I, I saw. He deliberately waited. There was no reason why he couldn't have left the very day he left. Another thing you will see there is that there is an appointed time. There is an appointed time for the physical manifestation of some of the things that we desire. Even though when we pray about them or when we walk in faith about them, we received them the very instant we prayed or confessed God's word. Glory to his name. Remember Mark 11, 23 and in 24, 24 specifically. It says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive. So believing you receive is instant. Believing you receive is the very instant you, you trusted God. That's the time you lambano it. That's the time you take it forcefully. That's the time you claim it in the spirit. Glory to God. However, you will see interestingly that Jesus lays some credence to the fact that there's such a thing as an appointed time for the physical manifestation of the things that we have desired of him. And how do I know that? Because if you read there, you will see that Jesus said specifically to them, he said, come, it is time to go to Bethany. So he, he could have gone to Bethany much earlier, but for the purpose, for whatever it was that God needed to orchestrate around that particular situation, you know, it had to be at the proper time. And then Jesus said, come, it is time to go to Bethany. So there is an appointed time, glory to God, for the physical manifestation. Note, you receive what you believed for the very instant you pray. You lambano it the very instant you pray. But the physical manifestation, there might be an interplay of an appointed time for that physical manifestation to happen. Let me give you a small example. Like, for instance, someone who had believed, who is believing God for an admission into a university. If you believe, you have believed God, you received your admission the very instant you prayed, even before you started writing your jam or doing all the other things that you, people usually do to get into school. But you know that there is a season, an appointed time when students can enter into school, into a university. And if that time has not come, even though you have received your admission way before that time, you cannot proceed to have a physical manifestation of that answer. And that's really true for many, many things. Many, many things that we desire. Many, many things that we pray for. Many, many things that we're trusting God to see happen in our lives. There is actually an appointed time. And, you know, it appears that this, this same sentiment was buttressed in John chapter 11 and in verse 11. This is, the Bible says there, then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. He now says, it's time that I go 
and awaken him. Did you, did you see that? Jesus said it is time that he goes to awaken him. Glory to God. Meaning that, look, the time to, to, to resurrect him has come. Glory to God. It may not have been the first day, it may not have been the second day, but clearly Jesus said it is time after the third day when he started going towards that direction. And why was that? Because of every other thing that surrounds the situation. It's not just about that miracle. It's not just about that answer. There are a lot more things that Jesus wanted to do or accomplish with that situation. Glory to God. The Bible also makes us understand in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2 and in verse 3, that the vision is for an appointed time. He says that vision, it will not tarry. He says it will speak. It will not delay. Every vision is for an appointed time. It will not tarry. It will speak. It will not delay. Glory to God. Let's go on. Then you will see also that in, in, uh, in, in John chapter 11 and in verse 8, Jesus talked about going back <laughs> to Judea. You know, Bethany was in Judea. Going back to Judea. And take note, that was the same place where there had been an attempt at Jesus' life. Jesus previously was, there was an attempt previously to assassinate Jesus by stoning in that same Judea. And Jesus went back there so much so that the disciples were like, ah, but teacher, they said to him, do you really want to go back there? It was just a short time ago the people of Judea were going to stone you. You know, Jesus, notwithstanding the threat to his life and the existential threat, I dare say, Jesus was willing to go back to the same place that an attempt had been made on his life. Glory to God. But you see, I'm just going to say this. When you are on the path of fulfillment of purpose, or the fulfillment of your destiny. Nothing can cut short your life. Glory to God. Nothing can cut short your life. When, when you are on that course of doing what God has ordained you to accomplish, it is impossible for you to die. <laughs> Glory to his name. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, whatever, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith whatever it is that is born of God overcomes the world. And so if you are in God's will, if you are in God's purpose, the love of God and the plan and the counsel of God, as much as possible as you follow it, will protect you from harm, will protect you from evil, will protect you from the things that want to destroy and cut short and truncate your life before it's time. Glory to his name. Hallelujah to Jesus. Let's, let's, let's just proceed from that. If you look at John chapter 11 and in verse 14, the Bible says, and Jesus made it plain to them. It says, Lazarus is dead. At this point in time, Jesus was now beginning to tell them because he said, ah, Lazarus slept. They didn't understand that I was going to wake him up. But those guys really were beginning to think that, the disciples were beginning to think that maybe he was, he was really sleeping. But Jesus had to come out clean and say, look, this guy had actually experienced physical death. So in verse 14, he says, and Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. But see the reason why he, he, he now proceeded. In verse 15, he says, and for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there 
because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust me. Come, let's go and see him. Glory to God. Did you see that? That's, he, said, he said, you will have an opportunity to see who I am. You know, oftentimes when we go through storms, when we go through the fire, when we go through situations that appear like everything is dead and buried, some of these things are a lesson in faith and in trusting God. I'm telling you, many of these things, you see, God wants to give us the benefits along with the main salary. He wants to give you the, the main remuneration along with the fringe benefits that come with it. Some significant events in our lives end up producing what people generally like to refer to in Christian circles as our Christian experience, you know. And this our Christian experience is actually exemplified in the fact that through those things that we go through, through those circumstances that we are, that we are allowed to face, you know, strength of character becomes developed. Endurance, you know, internal and intestinal fortitude is developed. Patience is developed, you know, and then importantly, we learn how to develop what I refer to as an implicit trust in God. You know, you can believe God, but do you trust him? You know, we believe that God has power. We believe that God can do all things, but trusting him means you can let go. Trusting him means you believe him enough to let go and to let him take control of the situation. Hallelujah to Jesus. You see, some of those situations that we go through actually teach us a big lesson in trusting God because that was what Jesus was also trying to do. He was trying to teach them. He said, he says, because now you have, you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you can learn to trust in me. Glory to God. It's important because there are life lessons that need to be learned, you know, in all of the circumstances that we face and that we go through. Let's go forward. In, in, in John 11 and in verse 18, you know, that, that doubting Thomas is a very interesting guy. Thomas was, was a very, very interesting guy. Um, in verse 16, specifically, Thomas uh, called Didymus, which is like nicknamed a, a twin, you know, remarked to the other disciples. He said, let's go so that we can die with him. Did you see that? He said, let's go so that we can die with him. Man, did you, do you sense some degree of sarcasm there and pessimism? It, can you imagine Jesus was going to go and heal somebody or, or raise someone from the dead and, and, and Thomas, a close affiliate of Jesus, was saying, let's go so that we can go and die with him. That, that was the highest order of sarcasm and pessimism. Glory to God. So, you see, even though we may be surrounded by so much environmental pessimism, God will still come through for us, my folks, my brothers and my sisters. Even though there's so much negativity and pessimism around, God will still do what he will do. 
it will come through at the end. Though. You see, you know, just like they say, can any good thing come out of, uh, of what's that town now? Nazareth. Can anything good thing come out of Nigeria? No matter what you're seeing, all of the things you're seeing in this country that appear back, it's a smoke screen. God will still come through at the end. No matter what we may be going through in our lives, no matter what we may be going through in our ministries, you may be doing evangelism, you may be preaching to people, and it just appears like, where are the, the additions that God promised? Where are the, you may be working at your job, doing your business, go dropping your tenders and all the proposals. And like, where are the businesses? And it doesn't appear like anything is happening. You may be doing all you know to do and it doesn't seem like stuff is going on. But it's all a smokescreen because clearly God will do what he is a master of doing. You know, he moves mountains. God causes walls to fall. God can move those mountains and he will surely move those mountains. Remember, Lazarus was four days dead. <laughs> Glory to God. Four days dead, body decomposing, body decomposed. This, the entire, you cannot make out certain organs any longer because today there was so much of degeneration that had gone down. But guess what? That couldn't stop the power of God. Jesus made a profound proclamation. He said, I am the resurrection. And he says, I am the life. He described himself as a resurrection. He said he is the restorer. Resurrection speaks about raising something that was, that was dead, alive. That's like restoration. That's like restoration. But he didn't stop there. He said he was also the life. Life means sustenance. Jesus is the resurrector and the one that will sustain. He will resurrect your career. Do you think your career is going down the drain? Do you think your business is dead and buried? Do you think that you've lost opportunities? Do you think that your body biologically cannot produce seed or give birth? I am speaking the word of the Lord to you. For the resurrection and the life is at work in you. The one who is at work in you is called the resurrection and the life. And he can bring anything dead back to life. And he will sustain it with Zoe. He will sustain it with his life. He will sustain it. Glory to God. John 11 verse 25 says, He that believes in him will not die. He that believes in him will not experience death. Glory to God. You will not experience death. That, that situation that you're in that appears dire, that's not the end. There's a resurrection morning. There is a life-infusing experience that you're about to, to receive. Jesus was our high priest and is still a high priest in every situation. In John 11 and in verse 33 to 36, we could see Jesus empathizing with them. The Bible says that Jesus wept. The Bible says that Jesus felt what, what Mary and Martha felt, so much so that the people in the, in, 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 in the community could see how much of emotions that Jesus displayed. The Bible says in 
Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, yet without sin. He feels what you feel. He knows what you know. He, is go- he knows what you're going through and is with you in it. The Bible says he will never leave you. He says he will never forsake you. That you may boldly say that the Lord God is my helper. I will not be afraid of what man will do unto me. And I'm going to round up by saying, in John chapter 11, verse 36, Jesus said, roll away the stone. <laughs> Glory to God. Roll away the stone. Jesus gave the responsibility of rolling away the stone to the people there. He gave the responsibility of rolling away the stone to man. Folks, roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Remove the obstacles that prevent you from experiencing the miraculous. Remove the doubt. Remove the unbelief. Remove those mind blocks. Remove those, 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 uh, those doubts and those pessimisms. Glory to God. Because your miracle is here. Glory to his name. Your miracle has come. Your miracle has come. Your miracle has come. Ikava stoprava ikafarane ekostobreende labre fecronatila rabicoco pasueto granandra brega lembra coba. Jesus looked at her and said, Didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? I tell you, begin to see and begin to experience the unveiling of God's power, the manifestation of God's power. He said in verse 44, loose him and let him go. Glory to God. You are loosed from that situation. There's a turnaround for you. That dead situation comes back to life. And that business of yours that appears dead is sustained. That body of yours that appears dead comes back to life and is able to produce seed. That that career of yours that appears dead and buried, you will be remembered for good. That work of yours, that that ministerial gifting of yours that you start seeing in full manifestation, there is a quickening of it. There is an acceleration of it. There is a stirring up of it. Glory to his name. Father, we bless your name. Thank you because you are the resurrection and you are the life. And we will see your resurrecting power at work in everything that concerns us and your life-giving ability infused into our every situation. Thank you, dear Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, folks, for joining me this morning. I want to urge us to go and enjoy our day and have a fantastic and productive day. Bye-bye.